Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Secret to Success, Joshua 1, 6-9. All these books on success, right? Uh, You don't have to stay up late for those infomercials or get up early for those infomercials, uh, how to have success. You don't have to buy a pill, one of these supplement pills that give you the energy. You don't have to eat the gooky stuff that they mix up And if you want to be successful in life. The secret is right here in God's Word, as we'll see today. And I want you to pull in the bulletin, there's a little pink insert there. If you pull this out, because this is God's secret to success, the key to spiritual success. Hang on, because we're going to keep referring to this, and I hope you take it home and put it up somewhere and keep reminding yourself of what's on here. It's, I kind of made it a math formula. Dave, do you like this math formula out there? Uh, I made it a, ma- a math formula, but, but it's really not a formula. You know, we don't just plug in spiritual things, but it is God's encouragement to us on how to live in such a way that we're going to have spiritual success. We're all in the book of Joshua. Last week we saw how victory was guaranteed. Victory guaranteed. If you weren't here for the last couple sermons in Joshua, get, get a hold of those CDs or go on the podcast. Listen, because it all builds on each other. But we saw how we are in lifelong spiritual battles. But God has promised us in these lifelong spiritual battles, he has promised us Victory, And he's also promised us his presence, his presence, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1, 5, last week, I hope you memorized that one. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But just because we're promised spiritual victory doesn't mean we can sit on our spiritual butts, right? Doesn't mean we can just kick back as this isn't reality TV where you just kind of watch it happen. No, we have to be involved in this, all right? We are given a spiritual land. Now get this, just like the Israelites were given the spirit, they were given the physical land. That's a picture of the spiritual land that we're given but then they had to fight for every inch of it and we have to fight for everything that we want spiritually every spiritual victory we have to fight for it salvation remember we talked about this last week salvation is a gift you can't earn it you can just receive it by faith it's a gift but sanctification is a battle it's a battle and but we have to battle for our sanctification once again by faith. It's living by faith. We're not being we're saved by faith, but now we have to live by faith. We have to fight for our spiritual sanctification. We're still completely dependent on God, but we've got to fight with His power by depending on Him, living by faith. Today we're going to study the keys to success in life's battles spiritually. But you can really apply these keys to everything, all of life. But especially spiritual, these are the keys to our spiritual battle. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us all here this morning. We ask for your mercy and grace now to hear from your word. And Lord, whatever, wherever we are in our spiritual walk, whether we're just seeking, whether we're fighting battles, wherever we are in that walk, we pray that your word would speak to us now. Your spirit would take it and, and transform us, taking us another step forward in our faith. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Joshua 1, we'll read 6 to 9. 
the keys to our success in our spiritual battles. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you are. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but... Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we'll start with verse 6 here for the, the, the first key. Key number one, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and courageous. Did we see that over and over again? Be strong and courageous. You think God's trying to tell us something? Be strong and courageous over and over again, right? He's trying to tell us something. And, I, and I, I, I'm going to label this faith. Faith. Be strong and courageous. It means to, to live by our faith. If you look at the little insert there, underneath the bottom part, the faith is the foundation. That's the foundation. God promises us victory. Again, he promises a victory just like last week, victory guaranteed. But we have to act on our faith. We're saved by faith. We just receive salvation. When we say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin, I put my faith in him, my trust in him, I give my life to him. There's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. It's by faith. But once we are saved by faith, then we're called to live by faith. And this is when we've got to be involved. Now we're depending on his, now that we're saved by faith, now we're depending on his grace and his strength to to fight these spiritual battles. Now we have to live out our faith. Some people, when they become a Christian, nobody here, but you might know somebody like this, they pray that prayer of faith, God, I believe Jesus died for me. I put my faith in him. We, We pray that prayer of faith. But um, after that, their life never changes. Their life never changes. They say, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I've heard them say, they say to me, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter if I share my faith. It doesn't matter what I do in my life. And I say, not so fast. I've said that to many people. Not so fast. You'd better make your calling an election. Sure. It's true. There's nothing we can do. But if, if we truly put our faith in Jesus, there will be a change, a change in our life. No change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. Very, very important. The promises are not given so that we can sit on our spiritual butts. That's not why they're given to us. But they're given as an incentive to really go out and live the Christian life. That's why he gives us, God gives us these promises. You've ever watched a sporting event? I'll use the Super Bowl because that's an easy one to look at. A lot of times there's two teams and they're fighting it out, fighting it out, and it's really, really close and going to halftime really close. And then they come out at halftime and someone scores a couple quick touchdowns and what happens? It's like an avalanche. The momentum is there. And next thing you know, it's 50 to, to, to 10 or something like that. Because they get that momentum and they all get excited. And they, all, they all really play hard because now they've got this, 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 this hope. And, 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 and they know they're going to win. And that's why God gives us these promises to, to motivate us to keep on fighting the battles. Joshua, as we see when we go through the book of Joshua, Joshua fought warlike enemies, vicious enemies. And he, he, had, and he had attacked these Huge strongholds, impossible walls to knock down. But it, and he had to fight a lifelong battle. He didn't fight, he just didn't knock down the walls of Jericho with God's help and then just retire. No, he fought the entire life. He wore his armor his entire life. The war never stopped for Joshua. 
He never retired. He died with a sword in his hand. He, he had to keep on fighting. And it's the same for us. We cannot retire spiritually. When we defeat one lust, when we defeat one temptation, what happens? Ten more pop up. We've got to keep on fighting, right? And sometimes the same one pops up again. It's kind of like that hedgehog, groundhog game. You ever play that groundhog game? You get that little hammer in your hand and there's all these little groundhogs and hit one and it goes down. Another one pops up. You hit that one, another one pops up. If this ends, the quarter runs out or 50 cents, whatever it is now. It runs out, the game's over. But not spiritually. Uh Uh-uh. No, you hit one, boom, another one, boom, boom. And it's our whole life we've got to keep on battling spiritually. Remember that. And that's why he says, he tells us, be strong and courageous. And how many times does he say that here? Three, four times? Be strong and courageous. It reminds me of Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. What Paul says in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's the same thing. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Very, very important. That, and that's why we're told to put on our spiritual armor. He goes on to say in verse 13, he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Truth is what holds it all together. God's truth. With a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Do you put on the spiritual armor every day? Every day, constantly praying on the armor. Vital, vital, vital for our spiritual battle. And did, and did you catch the faith emphasis again? Strong and courageous, be strong. Where, where do we find faith in this armor? The shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan is constantly shooting at us. The Roman soldiers in Paul's time, this is who he's writing about, they would, they, would, they would be fighting the enemy who would shoot these flaming arrows, and so they would take their leather shields and dip them in this, this fire-retardant liquid. And so they went out into the battles, the, the arrows would hit the, the shield... And the arrows would go out. If they didn't lift up the shield, where did it go? Right into them and it burned them. It, it started burning and wounding them and, and killing them. And that's, that's the whole point with us. It's vital with Satan's attacks. Every doubt, every temptation, every worldly lie. We're bombarded with these constantly, whether you're in college or whether you're in your workplace or by the media. Constantly these lies that they're telling that go against God's word. Go against God's word. And we have to lift up the shield of faith. God, I believe your word. I don't believe these delusions that we came from monkeys. I don't believe all these lies that they're telling us out there. I, I don't, I'm, we're not going to drink the Kool-Aid. We lift up the shield of faith and we don't let those arrows sink in. Very, very important. Every time we hear that lie, you've got to lift up the shield of faith. God's word says this. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they say. I'm going to lift up the shield of faith and believe what you say, God. Very, very important to surviving the battles. 
Faith is vital. That's why on your little insert there, I put it as a foundation of the equation. Faith is vital for our spiritual success. Key number two, verse seven. Key number two, verse seven, where he says, back to Joshua 1, verse seven. He says, be strong and very courageous. There it is again. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Key number two is what? Obedience. Obedience. Be strong and courageous, and he follows it up with obedience to God's law. The key to success spiritually, and really all of life, not just spiritually, but all of life, is obeying God, following his will for our life, following his law. God, understand something about God's law. God doesn't give us his law to take away our fun and spoil our fun, and so we can't have any fun in life. Once you become a Christian, that's it. No more fun. No, that's not why he gives the law, but to show us the way to true fun. True joy, true fulfillment. It's in, in how to avoid sin. Sin is a lie. Sin is a lie in, invented by Satan to try to get us off of what God wants. But sin is a lie. He, it promises us thrills. It never fulfills. And it always kills. That's what sin does. It promises thrills, never fulfills, and always kills. But we... We will need courage. It's, use the example of a drug. People use drugs, illegal drugs. When we use those drugs, it promises us something, right? We get this high and we feel good, but it doesn't last, right? It doesn't fulfill, and in the end, it destroys you. That's what, it's a picture of sin. That's what it's a picture of. So, he says, be strong and courageous. We're going to need courage to obey God's law in his word, aren't we? We're going to need strength from God. Be strong and courageous. We're going to need strength from God. We're going to need his grace because it goes against our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is constantly saying the opposite. We're going to, the, the flesh will fight to the bitter end. You're going to need God's courage to fight this. The world will attack. You will not be popular. If you follow God's law, you will not be popular. You will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12 in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Are you being attacked for your faith, from your godly beliefs? You're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. That's a fact. It's going to happen. And if we're not, <laughs> got to wonder why. Uh, and the, God's word has supernatural power. We're talking about God's word and following it and hanging on to it. It has supernatural power. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is... Living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It has supernatural power. You know why? It convicts when we're, God's working in our heart. It convicts us. And when you share it with someone who's not convicted, who's fighting God, it infuriates them. Why? Because it is supernatural power. And we better learn to use it. We better learn to fight with it. Ephesians 6, 17, remember the armor, what we talked about? And take 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Very important that our armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the word here for, for sword is not the big two-edged sword we saw back in Hebrew, but this time, in Hebrews, but this time, Paul uses a word for a dagger. And I always use these excuses to bring one of my swords, as you know. So, uh, so if you haven't been here long enough, you'll see all my swords. This is a picture of the dagger. Now, what is this really? The sting. Remember the hobbit, the sting? I just grabbed the box. I grabbed the wrong one, actually. But it's still, the, even though this was a hobbit sword, it wasn't really. It was an elven dagger, right? An elf dagger. If you follow Lord of the Rings, you know what I'm talking about. But that's the picture and the reason he says to use this dagger. He didn't say use the sword in this fight against Satan. He said use the dagger. And the Roman soldiers would have this dagger on their belt. And when the fighting got in hand-to-hand, in tight, in close, hand-to-hand combat, no room to use that big sword, they would take the dagger and they would stab into the person in front of them because it was life and death struggle at that point. And that's what Paul says the word of God is for. It's for when we're in that in hand-to-hand combat, life-threatening fight, with Satan, with our spiritual enemy. That's when we have to use the word of God. Vital to use the word of God. That is our sword. But back to obedience. I want to go back to obedience. Um, we're going we're gonna to be persecuted. Satan's going to attack. And that not only do we need the word, but we also need the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Very, very important that we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.13. He says... At the end of 14, stand firm with the belt of truth and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Obedience. Righteousness, obedience. Um, the breastplate is vital. When we sin, we open ourselves up to Satan's attacks. The breastplate is what covered the heart. And when we sin, we open ourselves up, our heart to attacks, okay? But... Um, Key number two is obedience. Key number three is God's word. They're kind of blurring together, as you're going to see here in a minute. Uh, verse 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What we're obeying is God's word. God's word. The book of the law. God's word must guard our life. And if we want to be successful, it says here to obey everything. So key number two is obedience. Key number three is obeying God's word. God's word. It says obey everything in it. Everything in it. And God's word is not a buffet. You go to a buffet and you say, I like this, I don't like that, I like this, I don't like that. God's word is not a buffet. We, we have to accept it and obey everything in it. It's also not, the Ten Commandments aren't the Ten Suggestions, right? It's the Ten Commandments. We have to obey God's word. Very, very important. And God's word has been given to us in a supernatural way. He has supernatural power we also talked about already. We talked about how we have to use it to fight the dagger, Ephesians six seventeen. But it's not enough to simply read God's word and to know God's word. It's not enough to just listen to a sermon. There, there's more that's needed. Key number four. So key number two, obedience. Key number three, God's word, obeying God's word. But key number four, and this is very important. It's not enough just to read it. They, that was nice. But we also have to do more than that. Verse, um, verse eight again, he says where he says, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Meditate on it. 
That's the key. Key number four is to meditate. If you look at the insert, the, the pink insert there, you see where it says prayer and meditation. It involves prayer, but there's a lot more to it. It's vital. If we really want to know God's word and to let it change our life, meditation is vital. It's vital. It includes reading it, studying it, memorizing it, and then meditating on it. Now, don't want you to panic. This is not like the Eastern religions meditations. It's not yoga where they empty their mind and they chant to these Hindu gods. If you do yoga and you do the chanting, you're actually chanting to Hindu gods. If you, I don't know if you know that, but that means time out, stop doing that, right? Uh, but no, godly medica- meditation, godly meditation is when we fill our mind with God's word and we focus on the one true God. That's what godly meditation is. It involves prayer. So once again, remember Ephesians 6.18? Ephesians 6.18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. It, 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 It involves prayer, but it's more than that. Meditating on God's word starts with reading it, memorizing it, and then letting it really sink in. This is important. We're, we're soaking in it. We're, we sit and soak. Uh, I know when I go on my prayer walks, I like to walk and pray, get out of the house and away from everything, and, and just get alone with God. And when I'm doing that, that's when I, I'm able to meditate. I, I'll start with my verses. A lot of times I'll get stuck on one verse for a whole hour. I'll just stuck on one of my verses. And sometimes I'll take it the next day and the next day. And I just, it just keeps, just keep meditating and focusing on that one verse. It's quiet listening to what the Holy Spirit is telling us through His Word. There's conviction and there's change and He's transforming us. That's what's happening. It's when we think about what God is, is speaking to us, that verse or what you just read about, you might start reading the Bible and get stuck on a verse, you stop saying, I'm going to just focus on that. And, and you think about it when you're in the car or when you're in the shower. All day long, could be anywhere. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Psalm 63.6 says, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Even in, when he was in his bed, David, man with a heart after God, would think about God constantly, even in bed, even at night when you're going to sleep, instead of, what do we think about? What are we thinking about? You wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? It should be God's word. What is God trying to speak to us? It's that meditating time, even in bed. The best picture I can give you on meditation is this. It's the cow. Say, what are you talking about? Where are you going with this? Well, you know I grew up in a farm. Uh, it's, it's the cows chewing their cud. And I like you saying, what are you talking about? Okay, f- stay with me. Cows are always chewing. You ever notice that? Some of you probably have no idea, but cows are always chewing. They're chewing all the time. If you see a cow, it's chewing. And it's not gum. It's their cud. It's their cud. In fact, I grabbed a little article off the internet on it. What is a cud and why do cattle chew on it? Follow me on this. Have you ever noticed when you see a cow, it's always chewing something. It's because they have to chew their food twice in order to digest it. Cows spend nearly eight hours of every day chewing their cud. This, plus the normal chewing of food, can be upwards of 40,000 jaw movements per day. 40,000. Cattle are ruminant animals. This means their stomachs contain four Compartments. There's lots of different animals like this. Uh, deer, camel, buff- buffalo, goats, sheep, and giraffes. All right, They all have the same thing. When a cow first takes a bite of its food, 
it chews it just enough to get it wet. That's what it does. Then it swallows it into the first part of their stomach, four parts of their stomach. And when it gets there, it's formed into these little balls of food, little food balls, all right? Hush puppies. Anyway, it gets formed into these little food balls, right? And so then after it gets formed, the stomach muscles shoot it back up to its mouth. When they decide they want to chew some more, it shoots it back up and they get this ball of food into their mouth and they start to chew it again, chew it again. They re-chew it and then they swallow it again and it goes into the next part of the stomach where there's more stomach acid, digestive acid, and then it really starts to digest it. Finally, they push it from that part to the the next part of the stomach where it gets even more digestion happening and they squeeze out the juices and then they finally shoot it into the the intestines to finish the digestion process. We all know where that goes. Uh, So then... um, But this is why it's important. God created the cows with this cud-chewing process because what they eat is difficult to digest in one chewing, one eating. It, It takes extra effort to get all the nutrients out of the food that cows and giraffes and deer and everything eat. They can't just eat it and get all the digestion out of it. They it takes several times to get it out. And why am I telling you this? Because that's exactly what meditation is really about. That's what it's about. We can learn a lot from the cow. We can learn a lot from chewing the cud. Because that's what we must do with God's word in order to fully digest it. Fully digest it. What do you spend your time chewing on? What do you spend your time chewing on? It will make all the difference. Now, this is important with this key number four. It will make all the difference in life's directions. Do we chew God's word or the world's gum? What are we chewing on? What do we listen to in the car? Is it the garbage or you know, the music or the talk stuff all the time? Or we put on some worship music or, or a, a good sermon podcast? Hint, hint. But uh, what, do we, what do we do? We... The world, the world, when we do the world, chew on the world stuff, it's like chewing on gum. Gum, what is gum? You chew the gum, it tastes really good, doesn't it? At first, and then after a while it gets blah, bland, and after a while it's really irritating to chew on, right? Because there's nothing to it, you just want to spit it out, right? And then you need a new piece to chew. You're always looking for another piece of gum to get some kind of flavor, because, and there's no nutritional value. That's the world's gum. But God's word, God's word, the more you chew it, the better it tastes. Isn't that true? The more you chew it, doesn't matter if you've heard a verse a hundred times, if you chew on it again and meditate on it again, the better it tastes. And it always fills and fulfills us. And not only that, there is lasting satisfaction. And it results in us growing because it, there's, there's, it, it, there's nutritional value to it. That's the difference. That's what meditation, that's the difference. What we chew on makes all the difference. What are you meditating on? And this is the key. Then he says in verse 8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Looking again at this this sheet here, the math equation, obedience times God's word times meditation over 
faith, strong and courageous, equals spiritual success. Then we'll be prosperous, true prosperity, not the prosperity they promise on TV, these, these, these fake preachers, these scammers, these TV preachers who promise prosperity. If you're just a Christian, you'll be healthy and wealthy. Just become a Christian. And if you send me money, you're going to have all kinds of money. Whatever you send, you'll get ten times back. I'm always like, why don't they send me something if they really want that much? You know? Why aren't they ever sending us something if it's really, it works that way, right? But, but listen, God does not promise health and wealth when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about physical prosperity. Israel was getting a promised land, but what are we promised? It's a picture of a spiritual land. They were fighting a physical battle. We fight a spiritual battle. They were trying to claim a physical land. We are claiming a spiritual land. It's, it's different. It's not what we're, that's not what we're promised. Yes, if you follow biblical principles, like in Proverbs, work hard and give to the needy, you will typically typically come out further ahead than the lazy sluggard, the foolish son, Proverbs. It, there are physical advantages, but the success and prosperity that God promises us here in Joshua, they are spiritual prosperities. The land is a picture of our spiritual blessing, and we don't get this success by... by uh, Instantly, We don't get it on demand. If we just work up our faith and positive thinking, we don't just get that like they tell you on TV. Ignore those fake teachers. They're false teachers. No, we get it by persevering in our faith. And often the blessings that we get aren't even on earth. A lot of times we don't get them here. The people that are dying in the Middle East, the Christians that are dying in the Middle East, they're not getting big houses. They're not getting gold, gold rings. They're not getting physical blessings, are they? But they're getting their blessing, aren't they? We know where we're going to get it. We're going to get it in heaven. That's why it says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better. Something better. We get it in heaven. If it, it's, it's a spiritual blessing that we get. It's spiritual prosperity. And once again, verse 9, he says, Joshua 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous a third time. We all have a choice to make. Now follow this here. We all have a choice to make. Failure or success. It all depends on our formula for life. We can choose, every person here, every one of us, every day has this choice. We can choose to live a life of self-will. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way, which will result, and I'll guarantee you, it will result in fear and discouragement. Look at the opposite here. It will result in fear and discouragement. When we live for ourselves. when we sin, how do we end up? I know what I'm like, anxious. Fearful, angry, bitter. We're always looking for something to calm us down and to deal with that anxiety and that fear and that discouragement. Whether it's looking for a pill, looking for the next high. Got to do something, take something, snort something, sniff something, have sex with someone. Something to, 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 to calm down, right? But if we live by faith, if we live by faith in obedience, following God's word, constantly meditating on God's word, we are going to have peace. When we follow God's formula for success, 
when we're in His will, living His will, letting Him fulfill His purpose for our life, we're going to have joy and peace, and we're going to be, have the, the love of Christ to share. Then we will experience the promise. Then, and only then, we'll experience the promise of God's presence. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We are going to have intimacy with God. That's the best part about following God's success formula is because we are going to be close to him and we're going to experience that intimacy and if you're a christian and you've been a christian for a while and you've had that you don't know what it's like not to have you probably might not remember what it was like to be empty to have complete emptiness to live with complete emptiness it's horrible i remember and sometimes when i'm out of fellowship i experience it again it's horrible not to have that close intimacy with god but if we, if, we live, are, are we, if we live God's way, we'll experience the promise of God's presence. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Are you living in that peace? As Christians here, are we living in this peace? Are we following God's success, spiritual success? What's missing from our life's formula? What's missing? Maybe it's obedience in some way. Maybe it's our faith. Maybe it's we're not in the word. Maybe we're not meditating on it. It's the only way to be blessed with success is to, is to follow God's formula. In fact, in Psalm 1, 1 to 2, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. The only way to be blessed with success. Do you have this peace? Is it, maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Do you have this peace? Have you ever made peace with God by, by, through, through Joshua, our Jesus Christ? By putting your faith in him? He talks about putting on the helmet of salvation in Ephesians 6. Have you ever put on the helmet of salvation? The helmet of salvation. Where you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Have you ever put your faith in God's grace. That's a gift. Have you ever received God's gift by faith? He gave his son for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in the gift? He gave his son Jesus to die in our place for our sins. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus and given your life to him? Let's pray. Do you have peace with God? As we go to this time of prayer, have you made peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Do you have this peace that he's promised? Do you have this intimacy with God that you can have? I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can have it by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? God gave his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place so that we could have a relationship with God again by putting our faith in him. 
we could have forgiveness no matter what you've done in your life. It can be forgiven and wiped away clean in God's sight. You can have life now and forever by putting your faith in Jesus. And you can do it right now. Right where you're sitting. Praying in your heart to God. God, I believe Jesus died for me. I'm putting my faith in him. I repent of my old life, my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you have just made peace with God. And now you can have the peace of God anytime. You can now have intimacy with God as your Father. He's always there to talk to you. He's always there to give you mercy and grace. He's now become your father in a way that you never dreamed possible. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've prayed that prayer of faith. If you can't have a friend or family member here, let them know or tell me on the way out or fill out the card in the bulletin. Let somebody know. Text me, call, let somebody know so that we can encourage you in the spiritual battles that you're going to fight. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we experiencing spiritual success? What's missing in our spiritual formula for success? Maybe there's an area of our life where we're not being obedient to God in. Maybe we're not in God's word, finding the promises and experiencing God's power through his word. Maybe we're not meditating. Maybe it's just meditating. What are we, what are we chewing on? Are we eating the world's garbage or are we eating God's word, meditating on it, chewing on it, letting it, squeezing every bit of spiritual nutrition and power out of it? Father, we know we've been promised a spiritual success and spiritual victory. I pray that each one of us would just keep this in front of us, this, this piece of paper showing what your word says about spiritual victory. Lord, I pray that this would change our lives as we look at your word and as we live out your word. 
that before next Sunday we would have more victory. That a year from now we would see tremendous victories over sins that used to be keep us in bondage. That we would think a whole different way. We would think biblically. We wouldn't think like the world wants us to think. But we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I pray that, Father. I pray your Holy Spirit would take this and accomplish this in Jesus' name. Amen.